All right, welcome back to Vernacular Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. And we're coming to you live from a makeshift studio. Our normal recording equipment is not with us because we have moved. We've relocated from the great city of Austin, Texas to Colorado. So a lot of geography changes. We were out on a hike today and there are mountains and elevation in Colorado where there isn't a ton outside of like the hill country in Texas. Yeah, and there's a lot of blue skies and sunshine. I feel like that is... Not something we got all the time in Texas. For sure. But also a lot of rain. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I feel like we've had almost a daily shower. But then luckily, it's not the whole day. Right. It clears up. It's like what I've, I've never been to Hawaii, but I've heard it. That's what happens in Hawaii. Like every day, there's a little bit of rain and then it clears up. And, and there's a little beautiful. bit of sun. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're here from uh, a makeshift studio. Like I said, we're not using a normal mic. We're sharing a mic. And it's a cute little mic. It is. And we're also, uh, we're dealing with like some traffic noise outside and you might hear some noises from uh, two of our kids who are playing just outside of this room, but that's okay. We're here. Yeah. We knew that you wanted to hear from us. So what we're going to do today is just give you kind of a, an, an us update and give you some recommendations for books and movies, TV shows, podcasts, stuff that we're enjoying lately. And we think you might as well. So Sally, what should we start with? Let's start with books. Okay, cool. What's What are the good books you've been reading lately? So I've been enjoying the Kate Atkinson mystery crime fiction series. And I came across her because I was looking up books that were sort of like J.K. Rowling's uh-huh. Cormor and Strike series. And I had heard about her because she's written other types of fiction. But I didn't know that she had a crime fiction series. And so I started reading that. I've read two of them. I'm not sure how many there are. But I'm on hold for the third one. And the... The inspector is like ex-military, kind of so similar to Cormoran Strike, and a man. And so there's 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 similarities. Oh, and it's in Britain. So similarities. But I've been enjoying it. I think the ex-military thing must be a common theme. I don't read a ton of mystery novels, but I've been really into the Bosch novels, as you know, Sally, and our listeners might remember. And I just started another series, or I gave it a shot. I don't think I'll continue. But Ian Rankin's Inspector Rebus series, which is based in Scotland, and I thought it'd be kind of cool because like you said, you know, based in Britain, that's neat. We we lived there at one point. It's kind of nostalgic to read about characters who were right, there. Right. Corman Strike, same way. It's really fun. But um, it was not a great series or at least not a great opening book for a series. I just felt like it focused way too much on the characters and not enough on the mystery. And I read mystery books because I am enamored by the mystery. Now, I also, I do appreciate character development, of course. And I think that J.K. Rowling balances those two really well. And I think Michael Connolly with the Bosch series balances those tremendously well. But I felt like... So that's the key is the balance. Right. Because right? Ian Rankin was just all character development and very little mystery. So how is how would you say Kate Atkinson is in that regard? Ooh, I think just having read two of them, I think that the mystery does take center stage. But you do get a lot of background on the inspector and, he, and his various relationships. And actually, you get background on the characters that are being investigated. Right. So... She kind of, you know, throws you in various directions throughout the book. But I always feel like we're moving forward with the plot. That's good. And she she does this thing where she moves around to different people a lot. And so you always feel like you're moving forward. And then she'll go back. She'll jump back to the storyline. So there's usually a bunch of storylines that are going at the same time. And you're not sure how they intersect. And then at the end, it all comes together. Is it written from third person perspective? or is Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit with Teresa with respect to the Corbin Strike series, but sometimes I think that Rowling even gets a little bit too caught up in the character development and not right. enough in the mystery. I think Michael Connolly does a really good job balancing the two, but still the mystery's foremost. Like that's the primary 
arc and what connects it is the, you know, the connective tissue for that is the character development throughout. So yeah, so I guess it just depends on what you're, what you're looking for. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to continue with Ian Rankin's series. It just, it just wasn't compelling enough to hook me and there are other good things out there. I might try that Kate Atkinson one since you've been looking into those. Okay. Other books. Um, so I'm finishing up C.S. Lewis's space trilogy and I've read the third one before, which is the one I'm finishing now, but and I haven't read the first two. Which one? That Hideous Strength. So it's Out of the Silent Planet is number mm-hmm. one. Paralandra. Paralandra. And then That Hideous Strength. Okay. And you can read That Hideous Strength by itself, which I did before, but I wanted to go back and read the whole Space Trilogy. So they, do, they sta- do they all stand alone? You can pick up any of them and read them? Well, I appreciate That Hideous Strength now better having read the first two. Because the first one takes place on, on Mars, the second place one, the second one takes place on Venus, and then the third one is after both of those travels, what's happening on Earth. Are the characters the same though? The yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's like it's like the Lord of the Rings or something, and that the there's a storyline throughout. Yes, but the main character from the first two is not exactly the main character of the, the third one. Okay. So that's interesting. Okay. So probably then Paralander doesn't stand alone as well as. No. Okay. I don't think so. I think it would be confusing. So, yeah, I think the first two definitely go together. The third one follows from those, but it, more so that the first two are background for the third one. Right. Okay. Any other books? I just finished up a spiritual memoir by Sorab Amari, which I think that's how you pronounce it. I name. think so, yeah. And you read that as well. I in did. fact, I gave it to you. It was you. a birthday gift. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. So Thank then you. I snatched it and read it. And it's it's fascinating. He's a great writer. He's a journalist. And he talks about how he came from a culturally Muslim upbringing to then he was atheist. And then he kind of explored all these other various philosophies, Marx, Nietzsche, and ended up in the Catholic Church. It's really good. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, yeah, I read that and enjoyed that one as well. I also have been reading a lot of theology books. Uh, I'm right now reading a, actually it's right here on the desk in front of me, a biography a biography of St. Catherine of Siena by Sigurd Unset. And you read the Sigurd yes. Unset trilogy, Kristen, Kristen Labyrinth's, Labyrinth's daughter. daughter. And then I found out that she had written this biography. Right. Well, I guess, what do you call it? A hagiography when it's a, I guess it is. Yeah, a technically a hagiography. Um, of Catherine of Siena. And I gave that to Zach. For Christmas, I think. No, birthday. Birthday, Same, yeah, okay. same with the Amari book. She and, is a great writer. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, people don't realize this, she won the Nobel Prize for Literature for Kristen Labyrinth's daughter. So she is an impressive, impressive writer. And everything is translated. Is yeah, this translated she, too? I know I that know, for Kristen Labyrinth's daughter, it's translated from Norwegian. Okay, got it. So, which I think is fascinating also because the language is beautiful. Whoever The, the translator for Kristen Labyrinth's daughter is Tina Nunnally. So, so this, this is a thing though, because... Friedrich Bachmann writes in, in yeah, Swedish, right? Yeah, and that is incredible. In it's English. so well translated. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe those maybe the Scandinavian languages just translate well to English or something. Maybe, but, yeah. Or they just have first-rate translators. Incredible translators. Not. But yeah, so this hagiography of St. Catherine of Siena is incredible. I'm really enjoying that. Um, in some ways, it's also a little bit demoralizing like because St. Catherine of Siena is a saint of saints. Like She is not it's, – it's, I guess what I'm saying is it's comforting to know there are saints out there who are also like eminently normal people. Because St. Catherine was on a totally different plane of existence yeah. than, than most of yeah. us are, I feel like. So it's really interesting, really fascinating. I love it. I love St. Catherine. But um, just like, is she human? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not sure. Not, not totally yeah. sure. Which is quite different than Kristen Laverne's daughter, I must say. Everyone is eminently human. I remember you telling me about that as, <laughs> as you read it. Yeah. I also just read The Cubs Way. I'm a big baseball fan. And this was basically the story of how the Cubs built their 2016 championship team. That was really enjoyable. That was a gift from Sally's sister. And I, uh, I finally um, picked it up and got through it uh, a week ago or so. So that was really fun. Uh, I've also been enjoying a book called The Light of Christ by Thomas Joseph White, which is an introduction to Catholicism. 
And as Catholics, Sally and I love to read about theology. And this is really good because it's a, it's not super concise. It's 300 some pages and it's a little bit academic, but it's also accessible. I think it's, it's accessible to like a non-academic theologian, but it's a really good articulation and defense of what we believe as Catholics. So I've appreciated that. And then on my new podcast, I also reviewed a book called Map of Life by Frank Shee, which is uh, a very concise, pithy summary of the Catholic faith that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Plug for Zach's new podcast, Credo Catholic. Yeah. You should check it. You should check it out. I think we have four episodes now. Uh, the first two are basically the story of how I became Catholic from a Protestant background. And then the second, uh, well, that's part one and two. And so then the, the third episode or kind of the second episode is the book review. And then I did a little mini episode on St. Anthony of Padua on his feast day last week. So that was fun. Um, Tell me one book that's on your to be reading list. Um, TBR as they say. Yeah. So I'm inspired by the Cubs way book, the baseball book. And so they won the 2016 world series. The Houston Astros won the 2017 world series. And so they're in the, in the theme of Moneyball uh, about the Oakland A's and their early aughts. Um, there's a book called Astro Ball and it's about how the Astros won the world series. So that is on my Kindle shelf right now from the library. And I'm going to pick that one up and read that because I think it's interesting. Nice. Yeah. Besides all the book you mentioned that you're reading that I want to read <laughs> and the next Kate Atkinson book, I am on hold at the library for Power of Silence. Oh, by yeah. Cardinal Robert Sarah, yep. I think. So that's about kind of, uh, yeah, the power of silence in our technological age. It's actually sitting at the library right now. I, okay. Yeah, I got an email. You go get it. <laughs> I got an email about that. I said it was ready. And I'm going to read it with Teresa Breslin, who right. talked with us about uh, Cormorant Strike. That's another book that I've heard a lot of good things about. So I know. I, I know. Maybe if you finish it before our hole is up, I... Uh, you can have I, it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, t- I'll check it out as well. <laughs> we just keep switching books back yeah. and forth. <laughs> um, okay. So that covers books, I think. How about movies? Sally? We, we we really don't watch many movies. We, do, we did watch one interesting one recently. Right. Uh, Limitless. With Bradley I Cooper. I never seen it. You had. It was mm-hmm. kind of his breakout movie, I guess, apparently, yeah, I according so. to The Ringer. And I thought it was good. I did have to cover my eyes at points. But I kind of liked how it oh, wrapped yeah, just up a couple of the violent scenes positively. So. It did. It was so in that way. It was it was fun. So it wrapped up positively, but I will say that from a bioethics standpoint, I'm not sure if it wrapped up well. Sure. Because <laughs> he basically got off scot free doing the whole augmented human thing. Yeah. Like fundamentally changing the nature of his mind. Right. And he got off without consequences. Right. Because he so, figured out how to not be reliant on the drugs. Right. Yeah. And, and it is sort of ambiguous at the end. Like the reader's actually not totally sure if he's still on it or off of it, but it seems like he's off of it, but somehow found a way to have like the sustained, uh, the sustained benefits of the drug without actually being on it anymore. Right. It's a little bit complicated or ambiguous, but it, yeah, it just, from a bioethics standpoint, I think that's problematic. No, that's probably true. <laughs> to find it. <laughs> To find a drug that like yeah. unlocks the mysteries of the mind such that you have, you know, 10x the intelligence of any other human being and you find a way to do it without any consequences when there otherwise are natural Personal consequences. consequences because there's a lot of carnage along the way. That's true. Yeah. Um, but that was a, it's a good movie. I think it's, it's a well-told story. Uh, TV shows, we've, we've watched some interesting ones lately. We watched um, Harlan Coben's two series on Netflix. One is called The Five and one is called Safe. I think The Five is a little bit better. But they're both really good in that they have uh, extraordinarily good character development, very good acting, uh, and just, just a really, how he unfolds the mystery. Yeah, I think I it's just it. a really well-told story. Yeah. In both cases, you know that something happens, and then you kind of backtrack with the characters as they're investigating something that's already happened. And I kind of like that style of storytelling. It reminds me of um, Leanne Moriarty's Big Little Lies. And you're just, you're, so you're, you're, 
you have an idea of what's coming, but you're also, there's a lot of holes that you are right. filling in along the way. Right. And yeah, it is like big little lies in that way. I also think that it's interesting because as you, it's kind of like as you're reading a book and you keep developing your own ideas about what happened, the storyteller sort of knocks those down one by one. Mm-hmm. So you have one theory and then the central character would sort of develop a parallel theory or the same theory and then would explore that and you'd find out, no, that's actually not what happened. And the way that both resolve are really, I think, you can't see it coming. More, There's a twist. More, you can't, yeah. I think the both episodes or both series are eight episodes long or 10 episodes long. Yeah, something like that. And you, I don't think you can see the, the resolution until like maximum one episode. Away. Right, right. Um, so that's, it's just fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to try to convince um, Josh and Maureen Goldman of our sister podcast, The Popcast, to hop on with us and do a crossover event and talk about one or both of those because they're really good. The other TV show I think we need to talk about. Yes, Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Yeah. This has been... I We're mean, kind of late to this because I guess people have been... Well, not too it's late. It's been out for a while? Not that long. No. Okay. I think it was, it, was a, I think it was released weekly and it just wrapped up two weeks ago. Okay. Um, so, but it's really good. It's Yeah, it's incredible. I mean... Five episodes. I never knew anything about Chernobyl. And I would say to this, the way that this maps the story, there's a lot of the aftermath that's covered, which I think probably very few people are aware of. I mean, it's one thing no. to know about the event itself. It's another thing to know about all of the months and months of aftermath. Yeah, and I saw a headline, I think it was the Russian Communist Party is actually suing the makers of the film for propaganda and defamation. <laughs> because they, they basically say that the whole thing was a hatchet job. Um, but it tries to tell this story. I mean, I've, I've heard interviews with the director, Craig Mazin. There's a companion podcast for each episode of the TV show. And he's talked about how he's you know really tried to, to be true to the story and true to what happened. And he's used some creative license, artistic license to generate some characters as composites of other multiple groups of characters or you know, cut out certain people's family just for simplicity of storytelling, things like that. But I think the gist of what is happening and what is told is all true. What's amazing to me is I thought Chernobyl, because obviously I'd heard about it, right? But it happened before either of us were born. And I thought of it as definitely a nuclear disaster, but like a, like almost like a little radioactive leak or something, something more like Three Mile Island or something. Yeah. Which was, you know, comparatively a much more minor uh, nuclear disaster. But this was like a core exploded and was melting down uh, and had and, and it has fallout that I mean over, covered all of Europe. Yes, all these other countries, right? And still has measurable effects in parts of Scandinavia, for example. I was just reading an article about that. Like and, today. and the cover up, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, I mean that that's a big element of it, which I suppose is the debatable part, right? And it's really it's really crazy to me to think that all this happened. You know, right under the world's nose. Yeah. And it took it took so long. In some ways, it took this long for the, the story to get out and get told in a widespread way. I mean, I right. think there are some books and, you know, the real story behind Chernobyl, et cetera. Um, so this hasn't been like a secret for the past three plus decades, but it has not been a globally told story until now. So this TV show is really remarkable in that way. It's also remarkable because the showrunner, Craig Mazin, has not done work like this before. His biggest works prior to this um, that people have heard of would be like Hangover 2 and Hangover 3, which are Obviously, a completely different completely genre. Completely different, yeah. But I heard him in an interview. He basically said that now that he's done this, and now that he's shown people he can do it well, and he can get people to hire him to do this, he wants to stick with this. That's awesome. This pattern. He does. I mean, he like, does an amazing job. Yeah, I totally agree. And I really do have to catch up on the podcast because I like as we're watching it. It's like, really, did this really happen? Yeah, I really. I just. I want to. Once we finish the series, we're one episode away from the end. I want to sort of sit with it a little bit and just think about this because there's. I think there's something here about how how devastating the consequences can be when you're um, playing with nuclear fire. Like, in, in, in what I mean by that is, 
Um, even now, there are things about uh, nuclear energy and radioactivity that we, that we don't fully understand. Like we can we can harness it to a degree. We obviously, you know, medical radiation has a lot of applications and things like that. But especially in 1986, these scientists really didn't understand what they were dealing with. Even though they were the brightest minds. I right. Mean, the, the top nuclear physicists were still baffled by the whole problem. Yeah. And so there's something, maybe there's a, a piece to be written or something about how just hubris played a central role and maybe will play a central role if anything like this ever happens again, that we, you know, that, we, that goes beyond the Soviet Union because for sure. the Soviet Union, oh yeah, they're so prideful. They never want anyone to know, you know, what they're up to, but we're not immune to that. Yeah. Well, in fact, Craig Mazin, the creator has talked about, you know, one of the central themes of the show being basically the, uh, the effort by the powers that be to control the narratives. And, uh, you know, he's talked about how that rings true in our era of, um, you know, ideological tribalism and fake news and all of these things. And I think there's there's something to that. So this is not a uniquely Soviet problem, which is one reason why it's ridiculous that uh, the Communist Party would, you know, claim the information yeah. for it. I, Craig Mazin's point, as he said in, in podcast interviews, is he's this is a human nature problem. It's not a Soviet communist problem. This is a human nature problem. Maybe exacerbated in a communist system without a free press, et cetera, but right. it's, it's a human nature problem. And so I think there's there's like a big think piece to be done about that. And I just think it's it's really amazing that when humanity has tried its best to control literally the most, well, I guess there's a quark, but like one of the most elemental building blocks of all of existence, the atom, we've had devastating consequences. And so um, that's interesting. And I think it's been a, uh, a good thing for me to sort of ponder as we watch the show. Yeah, that actually ties in with that hideous strength too. Oh, man's, really? Man's attempt to control nature. Yeah. Man's attempt to overcome our limitations. Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe, maybe we'll do a deep dive podcast episode or maybe I'll write something and tell, That'd you, be great. tell you guys about it. Well, we talked about podcasts. That's kind of a good segue. How about podcasts that you're listening to lately, Sally? What do you have for me? Yeah. So besides Chernobyl, which I need to catch up on, I, let's see. Ooh. Do you want me to go first? Yes, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so I really like this podcast called Pints with Aquinas. It is a Catholic theology podcast, and it's by a guy named Matt Frad. Delightful man. He uh, speaks with an Australian accent, which you know doubles his charm. Always helps. And he he does some solo episodes, but most of his episodes are actually interviews with other people, um, a lot of priests, uh, many academic theologians, and he basically takes one topic and breaks it down in each episode. So I've really enjoyed that. And enjoyed that. There is the Chernobyl podcast, the companion podcast to Chernobyl that I've also been enjoying. I'm a little bit behind on. Uh, and there's one called um, Clerically Speaking. You guys are probably picking up on a theme of my podcast here. <laughs> Clerically Speaking is two priests who Both talk. of us never miss an episode of that. Yeah. So they just talk about you know, life as a priest and some things that you know Catholics should know and think about more deeply. It's both funny and deep, which is nice. Yeah. So I've been really enjoying that one. The final recommendation I have for you is a podcast called To Live and Die in L.A., and uh, this is about a woman uh, named Adea Shabani who disappeared in L.A. And this is all pretty recent. This all happened in the past, uh, I think, 16 months or so. I was going to say 48 months, but no, it wasn't even it wasn't even that long ago. It was definitely in the, within the past two calendar years, but I think even in the past, like, you know, calendar year, year and a half. Um, so it's very, very good. Uh, it hooked me. I binged this one for sure. Um, and it has a uh, it has an ending that's just it's sad because, you know, did she they find out early on, but they, they find her body. She was killed. And then the whole thing after that is trying to figure out who did it. Um, but it's not, I don't think it's told in an exploitative way. Uh, it really is, I think, told well. And it also raises some interesting questions about, you know, when you think you know somebody and you absolutely don't. And then just the sort of intoxicating power of like trust and loyalty. So it's also good to live and die in LA. Yeah, I have that one uh, queued up, but I still yeah. haven't listened to it. 
All right. Uh, it's so hard for me to choose, but I will choose Coffee and Crumbs, which I think I mentioned before, and it's like a mom podcast, but they recently did a three-part series on postpartum, and I found that enlightening and just interesting. So talking about postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, and postpartum um, like physical recovery. And then, oh, besides clearly speaking in Chernobyl, those are probably the top ones I've been listening to. So since I don't have my phone in front of me, I can't, yeah, I can't look and I check. definitely cheated and looked at my phone <laughs> and all the ones that I had queued up. So that's okay. Um, all right. We're just about out of time, Sally. But how about one more thing? Like just just a random thing. Could be anything. Something you're enjoying lately. Ooh, I – well, besides the blue skies that we've recently been having. Love it. I think I've been enjoying – well, going to Trader Joe's for groceries. I love Trader Joe's and I've talked about Trader Joe's before. I just more and more, the more products that we buy there, I just wish that I could buy everything there. They don't have absolutely everything that you would need. So you still have to get kind of household goods elsewhere. And I don't like their sparkling water. <laughs> so right. we've had well, to get that. They don't have cans, right? Isn't that the thing? They have it in big bottles or right, something? Right, right. Yeah. So and it's for some reason, the flavor is not as good. But aside from that, I just, I really like shopping in the little store and having a few aisles to check and having a few options and not having I kind of get decision overload. Yeah, totally. And well, it's, it's what Barry Schwartz says in the paradox of choice. Like you think that having more options makes you happier, but research bears out the reality that more right. options make people more miserable because yeah. they're aware that with every decision comes like 15 foregone decisions <laughs> that they missed out on. Right. So it's so, much more, yeah. e it's much easier to go into a grocery store and be like, I need ketchup. Oh, look, here's ketchup. Ketchup, perfect. It's the only yeah. ketchup they have. This is great. <laughs> I don't have to think about this. Right. So, yeah, I know I'm probably a broken record on Trader Joe's, but I love do it. love it. Yeah. Well, you kind of took the words out of my mouth because my favorite thing I was going to mention was Trader Joe's Cowboy Bark. Perfect. Which, if our listeners know Christmas Bark, like put some crackers on a cookie sheet, you know, spread some like toffee, caramel, maybe some nuts, some dark chocolate or milk chocolate, whatever. Uh, put it in the fridge, let it cool and harden, and then break it up. Like uh, they do that. It's similar. It's kind of like Christmas bark. There's no peppermint though, so it's not Christmassy. It's just dark chocolate. I think toffee, pretzels, almonds, maybe some peanuts in there, uh, and it's super, super good. It's delicious, and I love it. It's like my crack. So and it's not seasonal, which is nice. So you can, right. you you know it's going to be there. I'm really afraid though that it won't sell well. That's why we just we have because it's like buy it's kind of hidden. You know, it's not easy to find <laughs> in the store, and so I just need everyone to go buy Cowboy Bark at your local Trader Joe's so they can realize this is a best-selling item and keep it on the shelf forever. Any family members, close your ears because we'll just gift it to you. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Cowboy Bark's coming your way, Mom. Get ready. <laughs> um, okay, is that all we have? I think so. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Vernacular Podcast. I mentioned Credo Catholic, my new podcast. I would love it if you gave that a listen and rating review. Let me know what you think. So creedal Catholic, not cradle Catholic, because that's not me. Uh, <laughs> I entered the Catholic Church four years ago. So creedal Catholic. And then also listen to the podcast. They just did their one-year anniversary episode wow. this past Friday. So And they I think they've not they missed maybe one or two weeks in the yeah, entire year. Yeah, they're they're I think two weeks. I think they did Thanksgiving and Christmas. They like put that. us to shame. Uh, yeah. So every week they come out like clockwork. Really good. Check out Josh and Maureen Goldman's The Podcast on the Vernacular Podcast Network. And Josh and Zach have now collaborated yeah. on the Breaking Bad podcast, which is called Breaking Pod. Yeah. You should check out that one as well. We're really proud of it. It's, uh, I think, a, a pretty high quality production. Quality, yeah. We're about to start season two, so it's not too late to jump in. If you've seen the show or haven't seen the show, just go watch it on Netflix. It's it's free if you have Netflix. I guess not free. It's If you have Netflix, it's on Netflix. Right. Uh, you pay for Netflix. So, But go check that out and go check out Breaking Pod on the Vernacular Podcast Network. 
And check back here in two weeks because we're going to have, hopefully in two weeks anyways, we're going to have a great interview with an author. It'll be either in two weeks or four weeks. We're still figuring out the release scheduling. But but yeah, we're excited about that one. So join us again soon for another episode of Vernacular Podcast. All right. For Vernacular, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week. I'm by your side Feeling better than ever